0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield.
1: Hello, it's the Liverpool Echo's Blood Red podcast. I'm Matt Addison with Paul Gorst and Theo Squires, both with me with plenty of things to get through on the agenda. We'll be talking the Champions League draw, the win over Arsenal and also previewing Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup quarterfinals. It's a busy period and that's exactly how we like it. We'll start with reacting to the Champions League draw, though, Gorsty. with Liverpool probably, I think it's fair to say, favourably paired with Benfica of Portugal. What was your initial reaction when those two came out of the hat together?
2: Uh, Ideal draw, to be honest. I think possibly only Villarreal was the other one that you were looking at and thinking that's the team that you want to play. Um, Couldn't have fallen better for Liverpool, really. Managed to avoid Manchester City, so they're not playing them three times in a row between April 5th and April the 13th. So that will be a massive boost for both clubs, I'd imagine. Um, and they've also managed to avoid Chelsea because, you know, we've seen Liverpool play Chelsea three times this season. Um, they played, what, 180 minutes, 120 minutes. So 300 minutes of football. Neither of them have been able to nudge ahead of the other. And it took an almighty penalty shootout for Liverpool to win the Carabao Cup. So, um, that will be one that will be cheered as well when, when Chelsea were, were drawn out with uh, Real Madrid. So I think, all things considered, it's, it's gone massively in Liverpool's favour. You'd expect them to beat Benfica. Um, I was looking at the Portuguese table before and, and the 12 points behind Porto, and we've seen Liverpool beat Porto quite comfortably home and away this season in the Champions League. Uh, they won't be discounted, obviously. Egan Klapp will do his due, due diligence, um, but it's a massively favourable draw, and potentially another semi-final to look forward to. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, if Liverpool are going to, be, going to get near this quadruple, they're going to need looks, you know, looks in the draws, aren't they? Or look in the draws. And so far, they, they've had that um, across all three competitions, really. Obviously, it was a bit of a group of death, wasn't it, in the Champions League, but Liverpool come through that, no problem. Then in the, the Carabao Cup, they played Preston and Norwich. Um In the Champions League, now that the route to the final is quite manageable, Benfica, and obviously by Munich, if they beat Federer, that'll be an almighty, you know, titanic last four clash, but um, couldn't have gone much better for Liverpool, I, I would suggest.
1: Yeah, in every element, Theo, it seems like it's gone Liverpool's way in terms of the dates of the fixtures. We now know it means they'll have five days to prepare for the Manchester City game because that game is on the Tuesday, City in the same position as well, of course, but that's still important. And even the sort of way around that is with being away and, and then home, that has probably played into it to Liverpool's hands as well. I think in in so many ways, this is just the, the perfect, best possible scenario. <laughs> Yeah,
0: it is. I I did a piece earlier in the week when I was looking at the fixture lists and where all the quarter-finalists were in their respective league tables and Liverpool had the potential to have it tougher than anyone when you think they're in the domestic cup still. They're actually going for a Premier League title and there was that possibility that they could have City three or four times in a row when you've got those high-pressure stakes or even if in Chelsea, again, those were the games you didn't want. Um, You're looking at these other sides or by Munich They're in a Bundesliga title race. Dortmund's are fairly close to them, but Munich always win the Bundesliga. They don't have any domestic cup competitions. Real Madrid is storming La Liga and all the others. They've not really got any other chance of silverware, so it would have just been all the eggs in the Champions League basket. Liverpool would have been almost a victim of the success and the fact that they had to find a way to navigate all these, spin all these plates to find a way to keep winning. But they're one of the best teams around. And if you could have picked anything, everything's come up their way. You've got the ties taking place in the right order, on the right dates, either side of that City game. And it maybe gives Liverpool a bit of an advantage going to this City game because they've seen how tough Atletico Madrid are to play against. And while they beat them home and away, that's going to be a brawl in 90 minutes in Spain and 90 minutes of the Etihad for City. Either side of uh, playing Liverpool where Premier League title, first spot is up for grabs there. And then with Liverpool as well, we look at Benfica Gorsty's just said they're miles off the top. They're fighting for a battle just to clear into the Champions League next year. They're currently in a good position, but they have actually got fourth place Braga before they face Liverpool. And then they've got a derby with second place Sporting Lisbon after they face Liverpool. So that's going to be a pretty intense fixture period for them. So if you could hand pick it for Liverpool. They've got what they wanted. And if you like your omens, there is quite a nice one that's come around by the way this drawer is. I noticed on the BBC Sport website today, West Ham are in their first European Cup quarterfinal final since 1981. That was in the Cup Winners' Cup. They got knocked out. But that's all that matters. 1981. That year, Liverpool won the European Cup in Paris against Real Madrid, having beaten Bayern Munich in the semi-finals stars are starting to align for maybe a repeat this year we'll see um we always want to have a positive yeah. omen, don't we and see where I can go with that so yeah fingers crossed this is what it's all pointing to
1: yeah I've seen a few of those omens flying around and hopefully one or two of those are correct and, and do come true in terms of the the rest of, of the sort of draw Gorski we mentioned Man- Manchester City obviously being on the opposite side of of the draw to, to Liverpool they've obviously got Atletico Madrid as Theo says there and I think that's that's a part of, of the draw that we don't often think about as well, isn't it? It's not just that Liverpool have to get through, but maybe they can get a bit of luck in terms of maybe one or two of the other sides potentially getting knocked out. I think Atletico Madrid will be a tricky one for Pep Guardiola's team.
2: It will be, but it's not the Atletico Madrid of 2014 or 2016. They are La Liga champions, as we know, but last season, I think across the entirety of European football, was a bit of a Strange campaign, wasn't it? Um, Liverpool beat them fairly comfortably at Anfield. And I don't see City having too much of a problem with the Etihad. Now it's in the away leg where the problems could arise. Um, Liverpool really up against it when they went to the the Wanda Metropolitano in October, was it? Um, Went 2-0 ahead. Atletico really fought their way back into it and put Liverpool under... Hell have a lot of pressure before Liverpool got the winning penalty. So, you know, if if you're looking at them where they might cause City problems, I think it's going to be in Spain. I, as I say I don't I, I just think City probably gonna to be too strong for them in Manchester. But it's not an um it's not a gimme, is it? You know, you're looking at Liverpool's and you're thinking Liverpool will have to really have had a shocker to to go to get knocked out against Benfica over two legs when away goals isn't in play. City's is a much harder draw and it's coming either side of that game at the Etihad, isn't it, on April 10th, which I think could be quite significant, particularly with you looking at it with regards to the second legs on the horizon, you'll know what you'll need to do by then. and uh, Atletico won't make it easy. They'll fight, they'll scratch, they'll claw, they'll use every kind of dark art in the book that Liverpool fans have seen you know, far too often to be honest over the last couple of years seen it at Old Trafford in the week and they'll be doing exactly the same at the Etihad so it's not going to be an easy one for City, it has be much easier for Liverpool up against Benfica but I just think they're going to be too strong for them over the two legs and um, then you're looking at potentially City v Real Madrid or Chelsea and that is a, a really kind of tantalising one for Liverpool supporters to look at and think well who do you want out of those three in the final, um, Sophie's choice. But uh, yeah, it's uh, the business end, as they call it, and it's uh, it's going to be a fascinating what two months,
1: six yeah, eight weeks. Certainly is, isn't it? You look at those those fixtures coming up there in terms of what Liverpool have got. Obviously, Nottingham Forest that we'll come to later. If they get through that, it will be Watford then Champions League, Man City Champions League, FA Cup semi final. So many big games to come. I think Manchester United and Everton are to come after that. It's a really, really exciting period, isn't it?
0: And then Champions League semi-final straight after United and Everton. Uh, it's a it's a very intense period. Um, I think straight after that, you're talking Newcastle semi-final, Tottenham. And then you're right at the end of the season. There's only two league games left. That could be an FA Cup final. It is going to be such a huge game every single week. Now, I know it's a cliche when you say every game's a cup final but it really is at the moment, especially when you think Liverpool. They don't want to big up and go, oh, yes, we're going for the quadruple. But deep down, we've all got that little feeling. It'd be nice, wouldn't it, if they could win all four or if they could at least have a good go of it. I've in Man City have their own little claims to it Uh, a couple of years ago when they fell uh, embarrassingly short and always fall short in the, the Champions League. Whereas Liverpool, there is that added confidence to them. And it is just huge game after huge game. But then the one in midweek against Arsenal, that was a huge game. They weren't at the best. They came through it. They got the win. They got the clean sheet. Um, they are finding a way to grind out games. It was lacking from them in the first half of the season, really, where they weren't having these champions victories, where they may be dropping points where you wouldn't expect them to. Or Well, now they've got that belief back in them. That they don't have to play well. They'll still win. They can be late in a game and it's not quite going their way and they can still find a way to get the victory. Or they've got such squad depth now that they can just throw on three players from the bench, two players from the bench and change a game completely. Like, how demoralising must it be if you're Arsenal and you're tired after going up against Mane, Jota and Diaz and Alfamino and Salah are coming on? How bad would it have been for Inter Milan at the San Siro when they were in control of midfield? Henderson and Kaita came on to change it, along with Diaz. Liverpool are in such a position of strength at the moment. So while every game is a big game and there's some big ties coming there against big names... You've got to remember how good Liverpool are at the moment and the fact that they've managed to create this champions elite side that can be champions of England, champions of Europe, champions of the world. You'll maybe forget how good they were because of what happened last season, but they've certainly sent out a reminder to everyone this year and the way they're going, they're surely going to end up with at least another trophy in the bag. Don't really want to pick between which one. I'm still hoping they can find a way to get all four, but it's going to be, as Gorsi says, an exciting couple of months.
1: Yeah, still very much fighting on all fronts in terms of the Champions League as well. Obviously, Arsenal this season, a team trying to get into the Champions yeah. League and we'll move on to to them next. Liverpool obviously won 2-0 there earlier in the week to move within a point of Manchester City, Goursti. Was that the difference, do you think, between a team trying to get into the top four and a team trying to win all four trophies?
2: Very much so, yeah. I mean, Arsenal did play well. I think Mikel Arteta made the point that Arsenal played well kind of in between the two penalty areas, which I thought it up quite nicely. Arsenal played well, looked neat and tidy on the ball, looked like they were causing one or two problems, trying to get sacked in at every opportunity. But Liverpool were never really put under too much of a threat, uh, too much pressure. I mean, uh, obviously Thiago made that mistake in the second half, but that was Arsenal's only real big chance. Every other attack was managed quite well by Liverpool. They defended superbly, shown just why they've only conceded what is it, four goals in 2022, two goals in the last nine games that they've, they've won. Um, really, is a kind of back five that's so finely tuned and in sync at the moment. Um, Robertson was superb on the night, Trent had a good game, tough night up against Martinelli, but he, he was given plenty of help from Henderson and Fabinho and Matup. Um, and I kind of think that this is where the are at the moment. Um You know, you look at the game against West Ham and Burnley in in this nine-game run and, you know, people who don't like Liverpool or follow Liverpool could probably make a point that the other team has put them under real pressure in those three games. But Liverpool soak it up really well and save their energy almost and then just strike when the chance arises and take the game away from the opponents. And that is what they've done. Certainly did it against Arsenal, didn't, you know, Limited them to... So they nothing apart from that other chance, chances. I say, done it against West Ham as well. Obviously, West Ham had a couple of big chances in either half. Um, but against Burnley, they didn't really have too much to write home about. There, there was a load of you know kind of half chances that were offside. Some people tend to look at that as it's a chance, but it's not, is it? No, it's an offside. It's, it's an offside, and we we say no more about it. So I think I think it's a, it's a great quality that Liverpool have developed this. Ability to lean on the defensive qualities of the back five and then Fabinho just in front of them. And then when the chance opens up, you know, they're ruthless, they're clinical, and and they take games away from the opponents. And it means that they're not going to win every game three, four, and five nil. But more often than not, when you think they're under a little bit of pressure and they're not playing particularly well, they've got that defensive ability to, you know, hold them firm and eventually they will uh, come good.
1: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. So many different goal scorers in this Liverpool squad, Theo. You mentioned the, the substitutes before and obviously Arsenal turning to the sidelines and seeing the likes of Mohamed Salah coming off the bench probably wouldn't have been easy for them. And I think it's it's probably an easy comparison to make, but it's an interesting one anyway in terms of Manchester City on Monday, didn't make any subs in that game and, and didn't score. Liverpool scored just before they made the subs, but the, the point kind of still stands. I mean... It does feel a little bit like the the conversation around squad depth and all the options has kind of shifted a little bit. It it does feel to me, at least, like Liverpool are, are kind of ahead of of Manchester City, certainly at this moment in time in that regard.
0: It's funny you say this because I've actually got a piece in the system that's currently in drafts, waiting to go up, which pretty much covers this. It's when you um look at that, break it all down. City's depth really isn't there this year, and maybe it wasn't that uh, to the extent last year as well. Like they lost what Garcia. Aguero and Ferran Torres in January. So their attacking options are a little bit depleted, but they've still got four very good centre-halves. And just the holes in the squad, they didn't really sort them. They don't have a striker. like Gabriel Jesus, I think he's only got four, maybe six goals, something like that this season. He's been playing out wide. He's not a proper striker. They tried to get Harry Kane. They didn't get him. So it's left that big gap. While they're still winning games, they're still a very good side quality side, scoring goals, keeping clean sheets. It's maybe coming unstuck a little bit. The best way to look at it is Liverpool have eight players who can play midfield. They've got seven forwards. I think Man City have got 10 who can cover those six positions. And that's with maybe four or six that double up and play either midfield or attack. That shows how many more numbers Liverpool have actually got to fit in these positions. And there's a bit more of a killer instinct in them as well. Like Jack Grealish is not performing like a £100 million player. Um, I don't think any... Well, I certainly didn't expect him to come and be this all game-changing £100 million playmaker. He was just another player similar to what they had in Bernardo Silva or Kevin De Bruyne while not being as good as those two. Like He could prove me wrong and maybe he'll be amazing next season, but he's not at their standards. And then you've got well, Raheem Sterling. He's having an all-right season, but he's not really first choice for Pep Guardiola. Riyad Mahrez, he's good, but he's not Salah, he's not Mane. They just, they're just they lacking a bit. They've got Phil Foden, who's supposed to be this bright young thing, who's going to be great, and he is a great player, but it's not a finished article but to the extent of Liverpool have got Salah, Mane, Firmino, Diaz, Jota, and then the midfield knows what they need to do. Like Midfield doesn't really score goals, but it doesn't need to because you've got those five in front of them. But you look at Liverpool's last five goals, it is those first five-choice strikers. You take it back, Minamino scored the two before that. Origi scores against Forest, and that's all seven forwards have scored in a row. Different goals, showing how they're spreading that workload. For City, it's just, there's something missing from that side. And there are these key numbers. I think you can name a 20-man squad in the Premier League. They've got maybe 18 or 19 players, senior players, who fill that quota. And they're having to go to one youth player to make up a squad each week. Liverpool are leaving out four players every week. This depth isn't just struck up overnight. They, like, as Klopp said, I think a few weeks ago, it was one in, one out in January. Nico Williams went, Diaz came in. But suddenly everyone's back from injury. And Well, there's been a couple that we'll get to in a little bit. The depth is there, the quality is there. Jürgen Klopp was right all along when he said they didn't need any more than what they signed in the summer. They didn't need the midfielders. The quality is there in front of you. You just need them to stay fit. And finally, for the first time in, must be two, two and a half years, they are doing that and they are doing the business and they're giving Man City a scare. Uh, I don't want to say they're going to win the title because it is still very much open. Either side could take it, but they're in a stronger position, as we've seen when City may be looking like they're running scared a little bit and don't have the strength and depth that they had a few years ago when they could call upon the likes of Vincent Company, David Silva and Aguero all at their peaks.
1: Yeah, the squad depth is, is crucial, isn't it, to keeping those players injury-free. The more you can rotate them and rest them, the more that will be continuing to, to be the case. And, and hopefully that is the case for, for Thiago I and mean, You mentioned him before, made the, the mistake that almost let Arsenal take the lead in that game. But it was a big, big save from Alisson Becker. It's probably the kind of moment, isn't it, that at the end of the season, if Liverpool do go on and win the, the, the league, will be kind of overlooked. But it could really be a, a crucial moment.
2: Yeah, it shouldn't be overlooked. It was a massive moment, wasn't it? If, if Martin Odegaard scores that, Arsenal lead 1 0. I don't see Liverpool scoring that, that jot of goal. You know, it was only two minutes later, something like that, wasn't it? Two or three minutes later. It really seemed to jot Liverpool into life. Actually, it was almost a bit like you were going through the motions, keeping Arsenal at bay, not really creating too much. Obviously, Mane had that goal ruled out early on in the second half, but. It was almost like once that happened, kind of just shook them in, into focus. And a few minutes later they were 1-0 up and then never really looked like it was going to be anything other than a Liverpool win. Um, so it shouldn't be overlooked that, that save. It was a it was a massive save. Just kind of shows you what he's all about, Alison. Well what I what I love about him as a goalkeeper is he doesn't make incredible saves that catch the eye and you're looking at it, you think, Oh, well, what a save that is! He, he does everything minimum fuss, um, closes off his angles, doesn't go to ground very easily. Players like to take it around him, and, and he stays on his feet, so, you know, clo- which as a result closes the angles. He just does everything to a world class level to mean that he never has to make those stunning saves that you're going to see on highlight reels at the end of the season. Even that one against or the other guard, he's made that save because he's he stayed on his feet and he's just got a big kind of wrist to it, hasn't he, and, and put it over the bar. He hasn't had to dive and, and tip it around the post or anything like that. It, he just does everything you want from a goalkeeper to a top level. Um, and that's his 16th clean sheet of the season, Liverpool's 17th overall. And he'll be earning plenty of money in clean sheet bonuses because uh, he's top... Two or three goalkeepers in the world.
1: Yeah, I love the fact that it's it's never with any fuss, there's never any celebrations after one of those big mm. saves. It's just like, yeah, that's that's exactly what I do every time. So yeah, absolutely. I dig it Ramsdale? goalkeeper. <laughs> not, not just Ramsdale, plenty of others as well, in fairness. But uh, we'll move on to, to Liverpool's next game. I'll, I'll come back to you on this one, actually, Gorsty, in terms of, of Nottingham Forest. Obviously, the first FA Cup tie that Liverpool will play away from Anfield this season. Hopefully not the, the last one of those. It's obviously a, a fairly historical fixture. It's, it's not one that's been played, I think, for, for 23 years. But it, it kind of feels simultaneously like a really big game a really important game but also one that Liverpool will expect to be able to progress in
2: yeah very much so they, they won't be taking Nottingham Forest lightly because I don't think Jürgen Klopp ever does but there's no doubt that the draw has been kind to them hasn't it um, but Forest knocked out Arsenal they knocked out Leicester and they've obviously beaten Huddersfield as well on the way so um, it'll be a tough one you know Steve Cooper seems to be doing an incredible job there I still think of Nottingham Forest as you know a massive club who, should be in the Premier League, you know, it's kind of similar to what many thought Leeds were before Leeds came up. I remember Forrest in the, the mid nineties with the likes of Brian Roy and Stan Collymore and Mark Crossley in goal and Ian Wone in midfield probably show me age there, but they are to me a Premier League club. So it'd be nice to see them back in the Premier League at some point. And this, this season they've shown that if they were to be promoted at some point, they'd probably be able to give one or two teams in the league a go. So, um, It will be tough. I imagine changes, but I don't think it's going to be 11 changes. I think Liverpool not playing in in the Premier League until the 2nd of April when he hosts Wofford, which again is another kind of favourable fixture, isn't it, given that Wofford are right down there. I think we will see changes, but I wouldn't be shocked if, it will come to our team selections, of course, but I, I, I would be shocked if you see a Van Dijk in there or a Robertson and, or maybe even a you know a Sadio Mane or you know someone like that. So um I think it's a good opportunity for players like Joe Gomez, um possibly Alex oxlade Chamberlain or Curtis Jones, but it's not gonna be wholesale changes and Liverpool if they are professional enough should do enough to get into the uh, last four of the FA Cup.
1: One change they are going to have to make, though, Theo, is uh, right back, Trent Alexander-Arnold with uh, a bit of an injury. Jurgen Klopp just used one word. He said weeks is what it's going to be. So we don't know exactly how long that is going to be. Hopefully, weeks means two weeks and he's back after the international break. But if not, that's going to be a big blow, isn't it, for Liverpool?
0: Yeah, it is. it's the one position they can't really afford to lose a player in. Like They've got quality reserve options all over the pitch apart from at right-back. While they've got the depth at right-back, it's not like for like. But then as Klopp said in his press conference, no one in the world plays like Trent. You could have Nico Williams still there, not on loan at Fulham. And while they do a good job for you, he isn't the standard of Trent. Uh, so it is going to be a tough few weeks, Liverpool. It's going to be a waiting game to find out just how serious this injury is for Trent. Um, when we talk about those fixtures that are coming up, while well, you can maybe get away with and they're not having him for Watford if you go into the Etihad and you don't have him. It's kind of now that you know it's Benfica in the Champions League rather than a City, Real Madrid, Chelsea, Bayern, Munich, but it's still big games that he's potentially missing and you're just hoping that he can be back for that City game. Because I said this to Gorski, I texted him earlier, so I, you remember the home game and James Milner was right back in that one and he was given a torrid time, lucky not to get sent off. Um, and I think from what Cop's comments today, He's, Milner's the second choice <laughs> right back. Milner will be the one who's there if he can overcome this illness. But he's not, he, whilst he's got the crossing ability, he doesn't have the legs of Trent. Right back in the world have done so well to find Acosta Simicas on the left hand side who can step in for Andy Robertson. Right back is that one gap where they don't have that player. It, it is an opportunity. Like you've got Milner who can do it. Joe Gomez might actually get a few games now, immediately out of his favourite position. Well, there's Connor Bradley, but it's going to be a, a big ask for Liverpool to not lose rhythm here because uh, he is so crucial to how they play. And I bet he'll be a little bit miffed as well if he is out for a few weeks because that could be his chance of winning the, the Playmaker Award gone if Salah or Robertson keep getting assists.
1: In terms of that, Theo, I mean... in you mentioned Nico Williams there. I suppose one or two people might say maybe it was a bit of an error to to kind of let him go out. It was a bit of a risk that Liverpool didn't have to, to take. But is it as simple as that or, or is there a little bit more to it?
0: Uh, I wouldn't say it was a risk or a one that's backfired. Nico Williams needed game time and Nico Williams probably won't be a Liverpool player by the end of the summer. Like he's at that age now where he needs to go and play games and if Wales get through the, the World Cup playoffs, he's got a World Cup place to play for in Qatar at the end of the year. He's done his time as Trent's understudy and it is that feeling that it's time for him to go on. Like, he wouldn't be a Liverpool player now if a side had come in with 10 million last summer or if they'd come in with 10 million in January. It's just, that wasn't there. So Liverpool thought, well, you need to play. You deserve to play. Go out and show what you can do. And he is smashing it. For Fulham by all accounts. It looks like he's gonna claim a quite comfortable championship win with them. He scored a couple of goals and he is looking like a brilliant fullback in the championship. It's probably a level beneath him, if we're honest. He's gonna be a good mid-table Premier League fullback at least. Um, he'd be starting for Liverpool in any other Liverpool side in our memories. If he didn't have the best right back in the world ahead of him in the pecking order, you've got to take this into consideration. Like Liverpool, they've been they've got this strength and depth now where they are having to leave out players on a weekly basis and it is a balanced act to keep them happy. We're seeing that with Jurgen Klopp rotating his options, who's left out on the bench, so they're not just the same players disappointed each week. But you couldn't really... You know, we're going to have Nico Williams on the bench for a couple of games to keep him happy. He was at that stage where he needs to go and move on. It's just Liverpool now in that transitional period where Conor Bradley's maybe not quite ready to be a, a comfortable replacement. He's right at the start of his Liverpool journey, like Nico Williams was when he got the nod in the first place. We know James Milner is potentially coming to the end of his Liverpool career. And Joe Gomez just isn't a right-back. It's a hard situation for Liverpool. And it's one that's always going to be hard for them. Because you can't go and sign a right-sided Simicass, um, who's a a well-known name, knowing they're going to be on the bench. It's going to have to be someone who's, I don't know, got the right belief about them and can be happy with that role. And signing Simicass looked like it was a gamble that didn't pay off last year he's had some opportunities this year and he's shown how good he is but it's such a hard one for him to go out and do he got it right with Simigas, but it's a big ask an even bigger ask to do it finding an nice study for Trent um, just hope he doesn't get injured too often and when he does it's only for a week or two but we shall see over the course of the international break
1: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Just before we finish, then, let's pick our teams for the game. One player we do know will definitely be starting is Alison Becker, who Jürgen Klopp confirmed was the FA Cup goalkeeper, despite Quivin Kelleher having played two out of the three FA Cup sides so far this season. Gorsley, that seems like a, a bit of an odd one to me. If you want to give us your, your opinion on that and, and talk us through your, your back four as well.
2: No, I, I don't actually think it is. I think maybe they came to the agreement with Kelleher in the pre-season that you're going to play the Carabao Cup and maybe Liverpool didn't anticipate that they'd be looking on getting to a semi-final of an FA Cup having already won the Carabao Cup and um, for me it's a case of just play your best play your best goalkeeper um, and I think that is what uh, Klopp will do so we've seen how important he was against Arsenal and um, with the international break coming up I don't think you know there's any, any kind of risk really so um not too surprised, but I don't think there would have been any complaints either way would there? if Kelleher would have played, because I think he's he's proven himself that he belongs at the top level this season as a goalkeeper. The issue is how long is he prepared to stick around and, and play second fiddle to Alisson, because Alisson is, is never not going to be number one for Liverpool.
1: Yeah, it's a, an interesting one, isn't it? might have, have played his last minutes of the season, Kelleher, potentially, but we shall see. Do you want to talk us through your, your back four then for, for Nottingham Forest? Might be one or two changes in there, but as we said before, wouldn't expect it to be necessarily wholesale.
2: Yeah, well, I I asked Klopp about Joe Gomez today and got the impression that he was going to be starting and I don't think it's going to be at right back. I think he might. I think James Milner, back from his illness, got the feeling that it was going to be Milner at right back and... Um, he, he did kind of hint to Conor Bradley, but uh, I imagine it will be Milner, Gomez at the back alongside any of the three, really. Maybe Canate get him a, a little bit of rhythm, as he says. And I think um, if Simakas is back from his illness, we might see him playing as well. But uh, I thought Robertson was absolutely outstanding on Thursday. And, and if he plays on, on Sunday, then there won't be any complaints.
1: Yeah, no complaints across most of of those positions, really, Theo. But which four are you going to go for across your back four?
0: Um, Yeah, I'd imagine it's going to be wholesale changes at the back. If you're hoping Milner and Simicas are fully over this illness, otherwise you might have to consider Bradley or maybe even Gomez at left-back. But you'd like to think that it's enough now for him to go in. And then I suppose we're in this fortunate position where um, it's the international break and Joe Gomez isn't in the England squad. Joel Matip won't be called up because he's retired from international duty. So they have got rests coming up for like Matip anyway. But even then, Canate's there. So you'd imagine Gomez, Canate, Milner Simikas. Seems fairly straightforward one to give these players some minutes when the likes of Van Dijk and Roberts and Matip have been so crucial to all these clean sheets week after week for the past six weeks, two months. since so the last international break pretty much.
1: Yeah, I'm perfectly in agreement with both of you there. I think there could be a couple of, of changes there. I suppose that's the the thing, isn't it, with these wholesale changes that it, it doesn't necessarily be uh, isn't necessarily noticeable anymore. But we'll uh, move into the, the midfield then, Theo. I'll, I'll stick with you if you want to talk us through there. I think I'm going to go Fabinho, Elliot, and Jones. But again, there's there's plenty of options to pick from.
0: Yeah, this one's a, a bit of a trickier one because I think Klopp surprised us in the last round where he started Henderson. And you think, well, it's two number sixes in this squad, Henderson or Fabinho. There's the dog again. Henderson or Fabinho. And it's always for the domestic cups, you rest Fabinho. But I think it was pointed out in the press conference, Henderson's played 40 games this season. He's played a hell of a lot of football. Maybe he is needing a rest. And he'll go, both of them will go on international duty, won't they? he have got a couple of games. I'm sure is in the Brazil squad. Um, can't really recall who they've got. But um, we know it will be far away, whoever it is. Um, and then you've got basically four to choose from. We'll go around, sign them, if you rotate. Because I don't expect Tiago to play. Um, you know, you'd rest him. He's even though he's got international break off. You think it's a chance to give Cater, Oxley, Chamberlain, Jones, or Elliotts minutes. Um, this: Would you go for experience? Do you go for youth? Do you go for the future of the club? Expecting to sell one of them in the summer. It's toss up. Toss a coin. It's between any of them. I think when I did the um, starting eleven changes, I went for the experience of. Oxlade-Chamberlain and Cater, because it's hard to keep the older players happier but um, yeah we'll we'll see (laughs) it it could be any of the four and I don't think we'd have any complaints if it was Jones or Elliot
1: no absolutely not the uh, Brazil fixtures Chile and Bolivia so you are correct it is a long way away go do you want to talk us through your midfield
2: yeah, I think Curtis Jones probably is in there somewhere. I'm um, just wondering whether they need a little bit of solidity in terms of a Henderson and or a Fabinho. Probably not both. Um, be mindful of the injury, the injury factor. Um, but I'll go with Fabinho, Jones. And whenever Oxley chamberlains played with Jones in the same field this season, it hasn't quite worked. So maybe I'll go with um, Navigator.
1: Of course, navigator, another good option as well. I'll probably stick with you as well, Ghosty, for, for the forward line if I can. I think probably Mohamed Salah was a little bit of a, a doubt potentially for this one, given what Jurgen Klopp said earlier today. But which three are you going to go for?
2: Uh, I think you've got to give Minamino a go because he's been the, the cup hero so far this season. I mean, he's got nine goals and I think about seven of them have been in the cup. So I think he probably deserves a go. Um, and then... Firmino and shall we say Diaz. Uh, Divock might be a bit harsh on him but um, yeah I'll go with Diaz on, on the left Firmino on the right and Firmino down the middle.
1: Same for me except I'm going to go for Sadio Mane I think on the left. Theo which trio are you going to go with?
0: So that's not the same for you then?
1: I did say apart from <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I, I'm <laughs> I'm not going for Diaz or Mane. I, I, I think um, yeah, you, you need to give these players minutes as well, even though he's probably going in the summer. I think Minamino on the right. Firmino, he's not in the Brazil squad, so he'll start through the middle, back from injury, back with a goal in midweek. Uh, hopefully he can get another goal to his name. And yeah, Origi's time on the left It's due a goal. Uh, he was looking so good before he got that injury earlier in the season. He started the last game uh, in this competition, linked up well with Minamino so solid enough on three should have enough to see off forest. You can still make five substitutions. So if they really need to, you've got a Diaz, a Jota, a Mane. It's not a bad options off the bench, is it?
1: No, certainly not. Whoever doesn't start will still have a decent chance of getting onto the pitch at some point. Those are our teams then. We'll see who's closest to being correct on that one. Just before we go, we'll do our usual match predictions. I'm going to go for my staple 2-0 to Liverpool. I actually changed it up to the Arsenal game. said 2-1 and obviously it was 2-0. So, should have stuck with that. So, I'm going to go back to that one. Ghosty, how do you reckon this one might play out?
2: Yeah, I agree with you on this one. 2-0, I think they might score... Fairly early on, would stand a little bit of a forest onslaught and then get a a late ish one.
1: Yep, certainly would take that. Theo, Liverpool going to Wembley again?
0: Hope so. Uh, I'll go 3 1 Liverpool. Um, Yeah, they should have enough, shouldn't they? We've seen them see off better teams than Forest without jinxing anything. Um, Hopefully, it's another Wembley trip on the way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Another couple of trips to Wembley this season certainly wouldn't go amiss. But I think that will just about do us for this podcast. Plenty of stuff still to come across all the usual channels before and after the game, as always. But until next time, from myself, Matt Addison, from Paul Ghost and from Theo Squires, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.